Well, amen, we are back, amen, and let's uh, open up in a word of prayer. Uh, Lord, we bless your name tonight. We thank you once again for giving us uh, this uh, wonderful opportunity to open up your word. Uh, Lord, we know that uh, your word continues to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And Lord, we don't know what we would do without your word. Uh, Lord, we pray now that you will teach us, that you will feed us. Uh, Lord, we pray that all flesh, Lord Jesus, may be uh, removed uh, from this place. Uh, Lord, we want only your word. So Lord, have your way. Uh, bless those who are partaking of this word tonight. Lord, draw those who need to hear these words tonight to this place on the World Wide Web. We want you to have your way. Speak to our hearts. Encourage, enlighten us, uh, feed us till we want no more. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, shout out to those of you who do listen in on Spreaker.com from across the United States and around the world. Amen. We see you and we thank you uh, for your support. Also, God bless you. Tracy T, God bless you, uh, Linda, amen, God bless you, Linda Dawson, amen, uh, we thank you, and, and thank you, Tracy T, thank you, Tracy T, amen, amen, alrighty, now, as we continue in the book of Matthew, we're going to be in, we're going to start in verse number 31, uh, we know that Jesus has just uh, finished uh, speaking about the powerful uh, parable of the wheat and the tares. We ended with the wheat and the tares uh, last time we got together. And Jesus is going to further explain what it means, but not until he gives us two other parables in between. Before he gives us an explanation, he's going to give us two parables in between. But let me just make this statement first. Uh, these are known, these eight and throughout uh, the book of uh, Matthew, uh, we hear the phrase kingdom of heaven. The, uh, Matthew is the only uh, writer of the Gospels uh, that uses the phrase kingdom of heaven. Uh, John, uh, Luke, Mark, when they use the phrase, they speak of the kingdom of God. And there's a reason uh, that many believe that uh, Matthew used the phrase kingdom of heaven instead of kingdom of God. We know that Matthew was speaking to Jews. And we know that Jews were very, very particular about the use of God's name. And so for that reason, many believe this is why Matthew chose the phrase kingdom of heaven. Now, as I understand it, and I believe it is, uh, kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are synonymous. Amen. They are, they are both speaking of the same, uh, the same thing. But once again, Matthew was very careful understanding that he was, his Matthew is, is his rather, his gospel is geared toward the Jews to show them that Jesus is their Messiah. He refrains from using God, even though he does use the phrase God throughout uh, this uh, uh, this gospel. He refrains to use it when speaking of the kingdom of. He says the kingdom of heaven. So, just wanted to put uh, that out there. Amen. We know that Scripture speaks of uh, several kingdoms. Uh, we know that there is the kingdom of, of this world uh, that we read about uh, that. Uh, Satan, when he was tempting Jesus in Matthew chapter number four, he said that he would give Jesus the kingdoms of this world. Uh, we know also that uh, Satan has uh, his own uh, kingdom in Matthew chapter 12 and verse uh, number six. Let me read that. Let me go back. We just finished reading that just a, a few weeks ago. But let me read from Matthew chapter number 12 uh, and verse uh, number six. Um. Is that Matthew 6, 12, 6? I don't believe that's Matthew 12, 6. But suffice it to say, 
that in in Matthew, uh, he, uh, the kingdom of heaven, uh, not only the kingdom of heaven, rather, uh, the kingdom of Satan, I'm sorry, the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of Satan uh, is also uh, ruled by Satan himself. Amen. Uh, and scripture talks about uh, his kingdom. And we know that if there is a kingdom, there must be a ruler. And we know that ruler is uh, the devil. And finally, we have the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, as we've been talking about. Uh, so let me get into chapter number, uh, verse number 31, and let's continue. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs, and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. And so you see, the understanding that he's giving us here concerning the kingdom of heaven uh, is that it starts small. It starts small, but it grows. It grows exponentially. We know that uh, from the very beginning, this is the case. Speaking of the church, speaking of the church, it started small, but it has grown. Amen. And this is what he is speaking of here, which indeed is the least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest among the herbs. Amen. And in verse number 30, in verse number 33, this has uh, been a hotly contested parable because uh, this parable uh, has at least two different understandings. And we know that only one can be right, but it has at least two different uh, renderings as to what it means. Another parable uh, spake he unto them, the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. We know that leaven is yeast. Now, here are the two different versions of what this particular parable means. Uh, we know that leaven in scripture is always, is always associated with sin. Always. Most everywhere we, re we read, leaven is associated with sin, corruption, evil, wickedness. Uh, so if that is the case, if you take that understanding into this particular uh, parable, then it means that wickedness within the kingdom, there is corruption. Within the kingdom, uh, there is some wickedness and evil. Uh, we know that he had just finished speaking about the wheat and the tares, letting them grow together. Amen. Uh, there are those within the kingdom, those within the body who seem to be, but they are not. Amen. And so that is one of the understandings, uh, interpretations of this particular uh, parable. The second interpretation of this parable is that it simply refers to uh, what the previous parable was talking about, that the kingdom of God starts out small yeast. You can put a very small amount of yeast in something, uh, but when it begins to grow, it, it becomes uh, uh, big. Um, and so, once again, that is another interpretation. Now, which interpretation is correct? Only one can be correct. Yeast cannot be referring to evil and re be referring uh, to uh, the kingdom of God at the same time. Now, <clears throat> here's what I will say. I will say that based on the previous uh, the previous parable that he spoke concerning the mustard seed, 
and that he speaks this particular parable directly after that parable, I would say that he is speaking about the fact that the kingdom of God starts small and grows. Now, if someone wants to believe that it means that the kingdom of God, uh, referring to the wheat and the tares, that the kingdom of God has wickedness in it. and Listen, when we get to heaven, we will all know the proper interpretation. Amen. What's most important is that you and I are in the kingdom. That's what's most important, that you and I are in the kingdom right now. Amen. And that is what is most important. But those are, I gave you the two different uh, interpretations, and, and those are the two that are predominant. Amen. Verse number 34. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables. And without a parable spake he not unto them. Now, once again, there's a reason why Jesus spoke in parables. Amen. Uh, why he spoke this way was to conceal. He did not want everyone. It may sound astounding to us when we hear it. But Jesus did not want everyone to understand everything that he was saying all the time. He did not. And there was a good reason. There was mercy behind it. There was grace behind it. We said last week uh, that the scribes and the Pharisees had already, they had made up their mind. They had rejected Christ. Amen. We know that there were exceptions. We know that Nicodemus is an exception. We know that Joseph of Arimathea is an exception. There may have been other exceptions. Uh, talking about Pharisees who did uh, who did believe in Christ and who he was. Uh, but for the most part, the Jews rejected Christ. So if they were unable to decipher or understand something that Jesus said, then they are unable to reject it. All they can say is, I don't know what he's talking about. And so Jesus is preventing individuals from rejecting him further. Amen? Now, just because an individual, as we said last time, just because an individual uh, rejects Christ, it does not mean that there is no chance for them to be saved. Amen? Whosoever will. You must understand that scriptural uh, uh, dynamic. Whosoever will. Man is a free agent, and he can, he can choose to say yes or to say no. Now, once again, when we talk about the sovereignty of God, he knows the end from the beginning. God knows whether an individual is going to say yes to Jesus or not. How else can we explain it? He would not be God if he did not know the end from the beginning. He knew from the foundation of the world that you and I would come into Christ. He knew. He just knew that there would be a point in time that he would do it. Now, didn't mean to get into a, a discussion about, uh, about this, but once again, we have to understand that even though he knows what we will do, he knows what we will say, uh, it does not, it, it should not be an indication that he is, uh, that he is somehow uh, structuring our life and making things happen in a way that we're going to do what he knows that we are going to do. I know that sounds confusing. Amen. Uh, the decks are not stacked. He simply knows the decision that we will make. Amen. He knows that person that we give that track to, he knows if they are going to receive Christ or not. He just knows because he is God. He is sovereign. He is, he is omniscient. He knows everything. Amen. And, and so we don't. 
And so we don't operate in that realm. We don't know the end from the beginning. We are not omniscient. And so when we speak to someone, we have the hope, we have the belief by faith that they will be saved. God knows that they will, but our prayer is, Lord, save them. Amen? So we must keep that uh, in mind. So Jesus spoke to the people uh, in parables for a purpose. He would then go and, and explain the parables to his disciples. Now, the disciples were in a very blessed position because they were in a position that Jesus was going to fully uh, expound and explain what he meant. Amen? And so they were in a very, very gracious position. And we should count it. We should count ourselves also uh, as blessed to be able to be in a position to be saved, to have the Holy Spirit within us who will teach us, uh, who will help us to discern, who will educate us spiritually, who will open up the word to us when we ask him, Lord, show me what this means. He will be there to do so. Amen. But once again, we must submit ourselves uh, to him in order for his spirit uh, to begin to work in us. Amen. Verse number 35, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, I will open my mouth in parables. All of this was, all of this was uh, uh, spoken about in the Old Testament. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. Amen. God has not chosen to show us everything. God has not chosen to give us uh, every, listen, there are things we think, we, we have the mind, oh, I have the word, so I have all knowledge. No, none of us have all knowledge. None of us knows everything. There are things that we don't know that we won't know until we get to glory, period. We, we just will never know. There are things that happen in this life that we will not understand until we get to glory. And most of us believe, I've said this myself, I've long since uh, refrained from making this statement concerning my own life. Uh, most of us, most of us, I've heard many people say, maybe you have, I don't know. Uh, Lord, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask you this question. Lord, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask you this. I submit to you that when we get to heaven, as the song says, when we all get to heaven, that we will not have one question. Because we will know, we will understand. And whatever concerns that we had in this life, that we have in this life, I'm going to ask him why. I'm going to, no, there will not be any whys. Uh, there will not be any how comes. There will not be any what was the reason for. It will all be clear when we get to heaven. Amen. It, it just will be clear. There will, we will have no need. This corruption will have put on incorruption. Uh, this mortal will have put on immortality. And the way we see things now, the way we understand things now, we are we are encased in this in this corrupted flesh, and we see things a certain way. But when we get to heaven, all of that will be shredded away. When we see him, Scripture says we will be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, and all questions, concerns. All queries, they will all be dropped, dropped. We won't, we won't desire to know because we will know. And it will not even be so important at that point in time. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we will sing and shout, 
the victory. That's what it's all going to be about when we get to heaven. Not There's not going to be a line that says, in, in, in a, a door that says questions here. No, 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 no questions. You'll know. You'll know and you'll understand and you'll know that whatever the Lord allowed to happen, whatever did happen, that it was in and it was part of his plan. It was designed to be the way it was. And that's it. Amen. That's it. And so I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. Verse number 36, Jesus is now going to uh, give an explanation of the parable that he spoke previously concerning the wheat and the tares. Verse 36, then Jesus sent the multitude away. Once again, as Jesus is going to now disclose the meaning of the parable of the wheat and tares, he sends the people away. He sends the hangers on. He sends the people that are not really, some people were with him who were just with him, but didn't want to be with him. Didn't want to know him. Amen. And we have those people today. And he's going to uh, sort of talk about it right now. Uh, he sent the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came unto him, saying, declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. They wanted to know too. They wanted to know. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't all clear to them what Jesus meant by his words. And now Jesus makes it very clear. Verse 37. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. That's Christ. That's the good seed. Okay? The field is the world. Notice how, notice how Jesus is laying it out very, very simply and very technically. He says the good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. Now notice, wheat and tares. Okay? The way we've, the way we've explained, the way I've explained it many times, along with the wheat and tares, I've said uh, the uh, possessors, and the professors. I've said the haves and the have-nots. Same idea. Wheat, they're real. They're saved. They are the children of the kingdom. Tares, not real. They look the part. They sound the part. They act the part. They seem the part in the building with the other people, but they are not really the part. They are not. Amen? They are tares. Okay? And it becomes clear after a while that they are not. Verse 38, the, verse 39. The enemy that sold them is the devil. The devil. The harvest is the end of the world and the reapers are the angels. He makes it all very clear. As therefore, verse number 40, as therefore the tares, those who are the children of the wicked one, those who are not truly born again, as therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. There is going to be a harvest. Uh, there is going to be uh, a harvest of those who are not really apart. Once again, and, and I do this so much, and I must do it once again. Uh, if you know me, you know that I travel back to Matthew uh, chapter number 7 uh, and verse uh, 
number 21 often. But this is a picture. Jesus in the parable of the wheat and tares is giving us another picture of what we read in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter number 7, verse number 21, 22, and 23. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. No, not everyone. Okay? But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And in spite of the fact that it says here that many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works. In spite of that, Jesus says, Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Same group of people who are tares, who are children of the wicked one. Jesus did not know them. Indicating strongly, obviously, that they don't know him. They're not saved. And if you're not saved, that means you're unsaved. That means if you're not going to heaven, that means you're going to hell. That's, that's a little blunt, but it's absolute truth. That's what it means. The enemy that sold them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. He goes on, verse number 41. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity. Once again, those who profess, but do not possess. And shall cast them into a furnace of fire, and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now the wailing and gnashing of teeth, God bless you, Dawn. The wailing of na and gnashing of teeth are speaking of hell. They're speaking about what Jesus said back in Matthew 7, 23. Depart from me. When they depart, it's going to be uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hell. Hell. Wailing. Weeping. Gnashing of teeth. We read about hell uh, in Luke chapter number 16, uh, in another, uh, which is not a parable. It should not be grouped as a parable, uh, the story of the rich man and Lazarus. It's the only, it's the only where, where Jesus, it seems to be a parable. It is not because he gives a name. He, this man's name was Lazarus. He was a person who existed. He was a person. And so this is a, Jesus, uh, Jesus removes the veil and takes us behind the scenes after death and shows us exactly what happened at that particular time. Amen? And so hell is a real place. Weeping, a wailing here, and gnashing of teeth, speaking of the pain and torment associated uh, with hell fire. Amen? It is a real place. A real, literal place. Prepared for the devil and his angels. Prepared, I repeat, for the devil and his angels. You or I, people, humans, were not meant to go there. Hell was not made for people. But it's where people do go when they reject Christ, when there is unbelief. Scripture says in Hebrews that the Jews could not enter into the rest that God had prepared because of their unbelief. 
When we get saved, we enter into rest and we avoid the wailing and gnashing of teeth. Amen. Verse number 43. And then, then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. He's talking about the eternal state. The righteous shine forth uh, as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He may be talking about the millennial kingdom, uh, after, uh, which will take place before uh, the eternal kingdom. Or he's talking about heaven itself. But he's talking about those who are born again will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of our father. And he makes the point, anytime you hear Jesus say these words, it means, please, do not turn a deaf ear. Do not reject. He says, who has an ear to hear, let them hear. Please pay attention. Please pay very close attention to what has been said. Do not ignore it. That's what those words mean. Amen. Now, verse number 44, he goes into another parable. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hides, and for joy thereof goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Many have associated uh, the treasure hid in the field as the word of God. Uh, but once again, when he's talking about here, uh, once again, the point behind this particular parable is that the individual is willing uh, to sacrifice anything in order to get it because of its value. Amen? Because of the value of the kingdom, being in the kingdom. I will do anything to get in. And all you have to do is believe. Amen? Again, the kingdom is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. The pearl of great price. Amen. The gospel, the word of God. Once again, some have called the pearl of great price the gospel itself. The word itself. Once again, it, it, it's synonymous because the gospel, is, the word of God is the, 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 the gospel. Amen. And so that's the pearl of great price. We need to sacrifice everything. We need to put aside everything. I think of the a rich young ruler who came to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus uh, broke it down for him in a way that he could understand. And he says, yes, I've done all these things. But then Jesus got to the root of what he knew that young man's problem was. He says, okay, now go and sell all that you have. The Bible says that young man walked away sorrowful because he had many riches. You see, it was his riches that was holding him back. He wasn't willing to sacrifice what he loved the most. And that's what this is talking about. He was presented the pearl of great price. The gospel. And he said, no, I can't. I got too much stuff. I don't want to give it up. And we don't know the story. We don't know his whole story. We don't know whatever happened to him. But once again, we must grab a hold of this pearl of great price. You and I who are saved and born again and living for Jesus, 
we've grabbed hold of the pearl of great price. And I don't know about you, but I have no intention of letting it go. I know he holds me in the palm of his hand. Hold me forever. I'm not going anywhere. Lord, I am yours. Amen. Verse number 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind. Once again, a comparison. Which when it was full, they drew to the shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. Once again, the inference here is, once again, similar to the wheat and tares, there's going to be some bad mixed in with the good. Because fish are fish. We know all fish don't look alike, but a fish is a fish. But sit down and you sort it out. And in the end, we read from the, the parable of the wheat and tares, let them grow together. Let them grow together. This is... This is, this is a rule of the kingdom. Listen, you're going to have those that are and those that are not, and, and that is the rule. It, it is just how it is. And let them grow together. Don't, don't try to investigate. Are they real? Are they not real? I don't think she's right. I don't Leave that alone. Leave it alone. God knows, and God will do uh, the, the reaping at the end. Here... Uh, it's talking about uh, the net. God is going to separate uh, the good fish from the bad fish. Amen. That's what he is going to do. Amen. Um, he's going to cast the bad away. But that's God's business. Verse 49. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just. Once again, there's a, there's a, there's a certain, talking about the local church and not so much the universal church too, but let me stay local here. Even in our local churches, the churches that we attend on a weekly basis, uh, there is a blending that takes place. And we all are in the building together, the building that we call the church. We all sit there together. We all stand together. Uh, but once again, it must be understood. And I don't tell you this for you to be suspicious about who's real and, and who's not. No, no. Once again, leave that alone. But it must be understood uh, that listen, my mother is a saying uh, that my mother uh, that I grew up with. Uh, my mother used to tell me <laughs> my mother's from the South. My mother's from North Carolina. Uh, she used to tell me uh, every shut eye is not asleep. Every shut eye is not asleep. Every, just because somebody got their eyes shut and closed don't mean they're asleep. In the same way, just because somebody may, may lift their hands and sing and be very loud and or however however it is goes in a particular church, just because someone seems to be does not mean that they are. Amen. It's not an external, it's not an outward show that means that someone is in, in the kingdom. It's here. It's here. It, it's in the heart. Amen. If I don't jump and shout and do cartwheels and, and spin around and, and do that, it is, the more someone do, does that, it is not an indication that they are more spiritual than someone who does not do that. It's not an indication of that. Once again, they may be. They may be born again and loving the Lord, and that's how the Lord deals with them. That's how they, that's how they uh, show their, their love for the Lord. Uh, if they are, you know, that's how the Spirit of God moves them. That's fine. But once again, all of that does not 
indicate, wow, they're very spiritual. No, you know, I, I can be silent. I can pray. I can I can lift up my hands and, and I cannot be, I cannot emote. Just because I emote, it doesn't mean, put it this way, just because I don't emote does not mean I don't sense the presence of God. Amen? So that must be also uh, understood. But in the end, it says here, some shall come forth, and, and uh, the angels shall come forth, in verse 49, and sever the wicked from among the just, verse 50, and shall cast them into the, into the furnace of fire. And once again, when you see something twice, uh, God bless you, Arigna. Uh, when you see something twice, and here in the same chapter, here, here he is, there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Once again, he's already said, who has an ear to hear, let them hear. He's making these statements because these these are very uh, needed and necessary statements that they needed to hear and also that we need to hear. Amen? We need to hear them. Amen? Uh, there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. You know, we we get caught up in this life, we get caught up in this world, and we we really don't we really don't think about. I mean, I don't walk. I don't, really don't walk around thinking about heaven and hell. I, I I mean, I'm saved. I'm born again, and I believe that I'm. I know believe. I I know that I'm going to heaven uh, when I leave here. I I don't walk around thinking about it. When the subject comes up, I'm happy with it, and I know where I'm going. Uh, but we don't walk around thinking about these things most times. Uh, and, and hell is the same way. We don't walk around. People don't walk around thinking that they're going to hell. No, no. Uh, most of the world is in, a, in such a state that they are blind uh, to their condition. No one, no one in the world, of course, that is unsaved, unsaved, that those that don't know the Lord, they're not thinking about things like that. What I hear, what I hear, on, in media is that people, they, 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 they feel happy, uh, I'm blessed, you know, they have money, uh, I'm in a good place. These are the types of things that you hear from many who really don't understand uh, that their minds, rather that scripture says in first, uh, 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, that their minds have been blinded uh, to the truth of the gospel. Satan has them in that place of uh that place of, of bondage where they don't see their true condition. They really don't. And most of the world will look at a Christian and say that, what is their problem? What are, what are they doing? It's, it's the natural blindness that comes upon man that gets progressively worse as time goes by. Amen. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Jesus saith unto them in verse number 51, have ye understood all these things? Uh, it, to me, that's Jesus saying, listen, any questions? You, you understand everything I've told you. I've explained. I've broken it down to you. You who have an ear, please hear. Do you understand all that I have spoken unto you? And they say unto him, yea, Lord. Yes, we understand. We understand. Once again, they were given the gracious honor and privilege of being able to see Jesus face to face, hear his word, have Jesus explain what he was talking about. And they say, got it, got it. Amen. That that's, they were in a great position. Verse 52, then said he unto them, therefore, every scribe, which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man 
that is a householder, which brings forth out of his treasure new things and old. He's talking about the scribes who wrote the law, who knew the law because of they were constantly writing what the law said, talking about Old Testament. They knew what it said because that their job was to write, was to make copies, to make copies. And so as you make copies, as you continue to write something, you know it. That thing that you're writing over and over again gets ingrained into your mind. And so that's the position uh, that the scribes uh, were in. Amen. They had an understanding, at least a mental understanding of the things uh, that were written before. But yet when Jesus came, it was like, no, that's not him. That's not the Messiah. Amen. Uh, every, every scribe that's instructed unto the kingdom of heaven uh, is like unto a man uh, that is in the household, which brings forth out of his treasure new things and old. You see, they wrote about the old. The scribes wrote about the old. But the scribes, as they wrote, they were also writing about the new. They were also writing about the new. They didn't understand it. They didn't see it. But then when the new actually appeared, there was a collision between old and new. And they did not see it. Amen. They did not see it. Now to end this chapter, uh, we, we end this chapter after all that Jesus said. We end this chapter on a, on a very uh, sad, actually a very sad note. Starting in verse number 53. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. He left. And when he was come into his own country, back home, Nazareth, coming home is usually a good thing. I'm going home. I'm where I grew up at, where people know me, where people are familiar with me. It's, it's usually, it's usually uh, a good thing. I'm going home. It's always good to come home. Amen. Uh, he taught them, it says, in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished. He's home now. He may not have been back there for some time, you know, for maybe a few months, maybe a year or so. He's in ministry. And they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Where did he get all this wisdom? Where, where, where did all of this that he's talking about, where did it come from? I never heard him talk like this before. I never heard him talk like this before. Is not this, in verse number 55, is not this the carpenter's son? This is Joseph's boy. I know Joseph's boy. I know Jesus. Is not his mother called Mary? I know his mother. I know Joseph and Mary. And his brethren, his, his brothers, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas. I know his brothers and his sisters. So putting to rest, uh, putting to rest the idea that Jesus didn't have that Jesus didn't have brothers and sisters. Jesus had brothers and sisters, brothers and at least two sisters, plural. At least two sisters, and he had brothers. Okay, are they not all with us? They still live here. The house is right over there. They didn't say that, but we know them. Whence then had this man these things? What is he talking about? Okay, this is this is this is Mary's little boy Jesus. He's not supposed to be talking like this. He's the carpenter's boy. He's, he's saying some. He's saying some stuff. But who is he? And they were offended. 
in him. They were offended. Jesus, But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. There's an old saying that you've probably heard, and it applies here. The saying is not biblical, but once again, we can read this saying right into this, this event. Familiarity, what does it say? Breeds contempt. They were so familiar with Jesus. They thought they knew him so well that he could not be anything else but what they thought he was. That's it. He cannot be something more different. He is who he is, and that's all he will ever be to us. And this outlook, this view of Jesus, prevented Jesus from doing what he wanted to do. It literally prevented him from doing uh, what he uh, wanted to do, okay? They did not consider the words he spoke because he was just Jesus. They didn't see him as Jesus, Son of God, Son of Man, Messiah. That's not how they saw him. He was just only Jesus. That's it. That's all they could know, understand concerning him. And he did not, verse number 58, he did not, not that he was not able, not that he had no power, not that his power could not overrule or overcome their unbelief. That was not the case. He did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. They simply did not believe in him, who he was. He did not. They, they, they said, no, no, that is not Jesus. Amen. That is not the Jesus we know. Amen. If you, if you already have, if someone, if someone has a preconceived idea of who Jesus is, a preconceived idea, a preconceived idea of who Jesus is will obstruct and block out who he really is. And that's what happened here. They could not see past their own preconceived notions. Couldn't see past it. And it and it stripped the it stripped the Lord in a sense of his power. He could not do what he wanted to do because they didn't believe. Amen. Tracy T. says, I put to test uh, trying to understand the unrest amongst my own people with this part of scripture. Jesus' own people rejecting him. Yes, Jesus' own people rejecting him. Listen, what Jesus went through here, once again, his family, his family, we read in another part of scripture uh, that his family did not even believe in him. That came later. That came later. That came after his crucifixion, after his resurrection, they believed. Okay? But here, there was even his own family. We don't know about Mary because the Bible says Mary pondered all these things in her heart uh, in the book of Luke. So Luke, uh, Mary, she understood uh, as much as she was able. She understood who Jesus was. She, I don't believe she understood what was going to initially uh, finally happen to him, but she understood. But his brothers and sisters, 
No. They, they did not understand. They did not believe him. And home, home, amongst family, amongst those who are familiar with who you are, those are the people that it's most difficult to convince of your new life. Not that you're trying to convince people, oh, look who I am now, look look at me, look, no, you're not trying to bring attention to yourself, uh, but the home and those that remember when, those are the people that you will find it difficult uh, to bring about an understanding of who you are now in Christ. Because all they can do is remember what you, what you were before how you were, what you did, what you said. Those are the things that people remember and they hold on to. You come and now say, listen, I'm in Christ. I'm born again. My sins are forgiven. I love the Lord. My life has changed. And it's like, huh? what? That's how it is with many. Not all, but that's how it is with many. They just can't bring themselves to an understanding of who you are now in Christ. Amen. He did not many mighty works there. In another place, I believe it's in Mark, it says that he healed a few sick people here and there. And that was about it. But he wanted to do more. And he would have been able to do more if the people in his own hometown, if they would have only believed. Listen, unbelief. Unbelief is a killer. Listen, people are not going to hell because they lie. People are not going to go to hell because they cheat, because they commit adultery, because they commit fornication, uh, because they commit uh, murder. This, this is These are not the reasons why any individual who does them, this is not why people will go to hell. No, 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 no. All of those things are simply byproducts of the one thing that sends people to hell. Unbelief. Unbelief. No, 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 but I go to church every Sunday. You don't understand. I go to church every Sunday. That's good. That, that's that's good. That's exceptional that a person goes to church every Sunday. It's the heart. It's the heart. It's the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance. God sees the heart. People see what you do on the outside. And people are impressed with what people do on the outside. But it's the heart. God sees the heart. Where is your heart? Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Let me go there before we uh, close out uh, our time here uh, tonight. Uh, Romans chapter uh, number 10, uh, starting... Uh, in verse number 9. Let me get there real quick. I want to make sure I get it completely right. Romans chapter 10, starting in verse number 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's not how much you show up at church. It's not how many years an individual has been going to church. No. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. It's with the heart that man believes. It's not so much here. It's with the heart. Amen? It's with the heart. Amen? 
If you have a question, Arigna, you can ask your question. You can ask your question at any time. Amen? You can ask your question at any time. And so that is what is most important. God sees the heart. He sees the heart. And that is what is most important. Amen? If a person is not born again, it's because they have not believed. So they have not believed. But I, once again, but I have attended. But I go to church. But I do. It's with the heart. The heart. And that is what is important. Amen. That is what is important. Amen. Well, amen. Arigna has a question. I understand how Joseph was Christ's stepdad. So I guess sis counted as a step uh, steps uh, sis, I guess it kind of steps sis because it was by the Holy Spirit, not natural birth, uh, like man. Well, yes, uh, all of Jesus, all of Jesus' uh, brothers and sisters, uh, Jesus, Joseph was not Jesus' uh, father. God was Jesus' father. Uh, that is that is understood, and so yes, his. his you want to call uh, his brothers and sisters, his step brothers and sisters, that that's fine because his brothers and sisters had the same mother and father. Jesus was the only one who did not have the same father. Amen. Uh, but once again, this intricacy was played out at the uh, at the very beginning. Amen. That was played out at the very beginning when when he was born. Uh, God, uh, the angel, let Mary know uh, that this that which is conceived in you is of the Holy One. Amen. And so Jesus had that distinction. He's the only one that has that had that distinction of not having an earthly father. Amen. Uh, what it's called the immaculate conception. Amen. Uh, Mary made uh, uh, becoming pregnant without uh, the need of a of a father. Amen. Of a human father. Amen. So yes, uh, but I'm sure that they all got along well uh, in the household. But once again. Jesus set himself apart because Jesus, at least at age 12, he knew who he was. Amen. He knew who he was at age 12. He, he was found uh, in the temple uh, with uh, the elders. Uh, and he knew uh, he would, he, scripture says that he would be about his father's business. Amen. So Jesus knew exactly who he was at least by the age of 12, maybe before. But we know at least at 12 years old, scripture says, he knew that he was had to be about his father's business. And maybe uh, that is a point when maybe his brothers and sisters began to wonder what is what is up with our brother? What is up with our older brother? He was older than all of them. So, but once again, well, that's all conjecture. But once again, we know that is we know that they all came into faith in Christ. Uh, that is what we believe. Uh, amen. Um, yes, Erigna, once again, he would. If he would have been born, if he would have been born, uh, if Joseph would have been Jesus' father, then he would have been a sinner just like the rest of us. Amen? And that is why it needed to happen the way it happened. Jesus had no sin to speak of, and he never did sin. Uh, and that is, that was for our, that was for our benefit. It, there needed to be a perfect sacrifice. Uh, and Jesus was absolutely sinless scripture says that he became he became sin for us not a sinner for us 
but he became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Amen. So that's very uh, important. Amen. So we honor the Lord. We bless him. Thank you for your questions. Thank you. They are very important questions, and we, we thank you for that. Amen. Now, when we come together next week, uh, we're going to get into chapter number 14, uh, and we're going to speak on uh, beginning uh, to talk about the death of John the Baptist. Amen. Uh, someone, uh, someone that Jesus knew uh, quite well. Uh, and so that will be coming up next week in chapter number 14. Amen. I pray you've been blessed tonight. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, we bless your name. We thank you for who you are and what you've done uh, for us, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your salvation, Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you for being that perfect sacrifice, Lord, that we needed. Lord, no one could have done uh, what was done but you, Lord Jesus, and you did it uh, willingly, and, and we thank you for that, Lord Jesus. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your word that we've been able to open up here tonight. Uh, Lord, we know that uh, your word, uh, you, you give us your Holy Spirit that we might be able to uh, open up your word. Lord, we can discern truth uh, from error. Lord, we pray that we will continue to, to make your word uh, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, Lord Jesus. Uh, Lord, we pray that you will continue to lead us and guide us into your truth as you continue to teach us about yourself. Uh, Lord, have your way. Bless those who have been in this study tonight. Uh, bless them, keep them, hold them in the hollow of your hand. Strengthen them, encourage them, empower them, enlighten them. Lord, have your way in every heart, I pray. I thank you for all things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bless the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. We know that Facebook had its problems today, so we haven't been streaming on Facebook today, but we are here. We are here uh, on YouTube uh, on this study. Amen. And we uh, we thank you. Uh, we thank you uh, for joining us here. We're here every Monday night uh, with this particular study, uh, the Line by Line podcast. Uh, you can go to Spreaker.com. Uh, go to That's the Word Ministries, and you'll find all the other podcasts uh, that the Lord has um, enabled us to be able to produce uh, over the years. We've been around for uh, quite some time uh, doing what we do. Uh, we we thank the Lord for allowing us to expand a bit. Uh, you go to once again to Spreaker.com, and you can see more of what I call our family of podcasts. Amen. We have quite a few podcasts there that uh, uh, that are um, we pray will be a benefit to your to your Christian life. Amen. Now, thank you for being here tonight, but we also, I also want to invite you uh, to join us uh, as always uh, on tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, uh, we are going to uh, be speaking about uh, nine commands, nine commands to every pastor and anyone who ministers the word, anyone who handles the word. We're going to be speaking about nine Nine commands to every pastor. Listen, pastors have a difficult job. It is a difficult call, amen? And unless you've ever been a pastor or served in that capacity, you may not understand it fully what it means, uh, but these words that we speak tomorrow night will also apply to all the children of God, all the people of God, to pastors in particular. Nine, nine commands uh, that every pastor uh, needs to know. Amen. And we'll be on that, uh, tomorrow night. Uh, Wednesday, that's to be eight o'clock tomorrow night right here on YouTube and Facebook. If they're back up again, amen. Uh, 
Also on Wednesday night at 8 o'clock, it's the first principles of the Christian life. Amen. And we're going to finish off our uh, study of prayer essentials. Amen. Uh, we began closing out last week. Tomorrow, I mean, on Wednesday night at 8 o'clock, we will conclude our series on prayer essentials. Once again, we're going to tie it all up, bring it all uh, together. And um, we pray that you'll be able to join us at 8 o'clock on uh, Wednesday night. Amen. And also, don't forget to join us on Sunday morning. Sunday morning on uh, the Sunday Sermon Series. Uh, we are going to continue with our series that we began uh, this past Sunday. Uh, that good part, learning the value of sitting at Jesus' feet. Amen. Uh, there's power in being at Jesus' feet. Amen. So join us on Sunday morning at 1130. If you can't be there live, uh, please catch the replay and don't forget to share out uh, that others also may be blessed amen and we'll be back here uh, next week with matthew uh, chapter number 14 here in the line by line podcast amen if you'd like to take these podcasts with you wherever you go uh, you can check out any one of these uh, podcast platforms and there are many many others uh, that you will find us on this is just a, a small sampling but you can find us on most uh, podcast platforms uh, just go to that's the word ministries or the name of any one of our podcasts and that will that will take you right there amen as we said our main podcast platform is spreaker.com amen and you will find all that we do there amen so we thank the lord and once again let me just put that out there uh since tracy t brought it up thank you tracy t uh our new book entitled Churchified or Sanctified is now available on Amazon.com. Uh, we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. If you uh, if you do uh, get it and you read it, uh, uh, please uh, go and uh, just write a little review uh, concerning it. If, if it was good, if it was bad, if it was whatever, uh, just tell us, tell uh, Amazon how it was, uh, and that would be greatly Appreciate it. Amen. Uh, once again, available on Amazon.com, uh, Churchified or Sanctified, Exploring the Dangers of Religion and the Glory of Relationship. Amen. So, that's it. We are done for tonight. We pray once again that you've been blessed. Take these words into consideration. Who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Amen. That's the case with all of God's word. Let's take it in and let's hear and obey. Uh, and we will do well by doing this. Amen. So this is Michael Jakes here. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you hopefully tomorrow night on The Bible Speaks Live. Have a good night, and God bless you.